0: Any education apart from Jesus Christ is for us miseducation. And it produces not education nor an educated man, but a new race of barbarians who are today busily destroying their civilization. Humanistic education is the institutionalized love of death. Christian education, because it serves him who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life is the love of life.
1: This is the Love of Life podcast, conversations with Jesse and Courtney. But whosoever looks in the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. Not being a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, he shall be blessed in his deed. And then in chapter 2, verse 8, it says, But if you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, which says, You shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. So it's interesting that there's sort of this dichotomy between law and liberty. In one sense, you would think, well, the law is a restraining force in a lot of ways you wouldn't think there's liberty attached, and yet the two go hand in hand. So you have perfect law. It's the perfect law of liberty. It almost seems like it would be an oxymoron, but yet they're married to one another, and they really do go hand in hand.
2: How so? Like obeying God's law.
1: Yes. So obeying God's... true liberty. Exactly. So obeying God's law by doing what he commands, which his commandments, Jesus says, are not burdensome, that perfect law leads us into liberty. We have the liberty to do good by obeying the things that God commands us to. And if we look at God's commands, kind of like one of the conversations we've had lately, the law, breaking the law is not just arbitrary rules that God set up for us.
2: God the Ten Commandments specifically.
1: Well, with all of the law, any shadow of of turning from the law or breaking the law isn't just breaking a mere arbitrary rule because the God of the universe said says don't have fun or don't do this just because I told you. There is the, the reason why is because God is all goodness. God is all love, and any shadow. So if I if I, for instance, were married, obviously. If I were to cheat on you, I'm not showing love to you. I'm committing adultery. As an example, so when the when the law says you should not, you shall not commit adultery. We're it, since we man is made in the image of God. We're we're lying about that image inside of ourselves. If we break the law, we're lying about who God is. God is saying, "I'm perfect love." Within the triune Godhead is is love. It's perfect. There is no shadow of turning. Right. So as a result, anything that we humans do in sin is a direct offense to God because it's directly offending His nature, which He has set up as the law. The law is don't offend my nature. Don't cheat, don't steal, don't lie, don't do all of these things. Why? Because God himself doesn't do those things. God himself is goodness.
2: So like how you put it to me the other day, which I feel like is maybe easier to understand, because I'm still trying to wrap my head around that, is all of the law is a reflection of God's character. So when God says, thou shall not lie, do not lie, it's because he is truth.
1: Right. Yeah. So. Exactly. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> he's, that's what I just said. So all the all, God is goodness. I, I used a different. Well, no. I I use I use be. a different line. I say all God God is goodness. But yes, God is truth. God is he. He's all of these attributes and these things that he declares of himself. And there's the law. In the law, my my, my I think my point is to say you know we look at the law sometimes as as humans and say okay well uh, you know don't do this thing don't do you know, this this offense, and we forget what's behind the perfect law, the royal law, as James calls it, and that is the character and nature of God himself. God himself is all of those things, and when we break something that offends his goodness and his holiness, we're not, we are, of course, breaking the law, but we're offending the personhood of God himself,
2: Right. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I feel like when you told me that the other day, because it does just seem like, you know, okay. So God said, you know, do this and don't do this. Well, he could have said, don't do anything. You know, he could have made the 10 commandments or, you know, all the law, something different. Mm -hmm. These are just like things he just picked. So these are things that matter. And you're like, no, these yeah. These things are directly connected to his nature. We're not supposed to do these things. or We are supposed to do these things because we're made in his image. And it's, they're not just arbitrary laws. Right. They are specific to, to show us what God is like.
1: To show us what God is and like. And and
2: him because of what he's like.
1: Right. And how he made the world. He made the world a certain way. Uh, he made one man and one wife, not two men to be together. In matrimony, he made the world a certain way, and when we violate those commands, we're violating the way God set up the world as was originally intended, and we're violating a a part of, or should I say, a piece of his of his goodness and holiness, of his character itself. Which you know, I mean, it's not as if God says, uh, you know, again. It's, He's not arbitrary. He's not saying, oh, you know, don't do this because I don't want my, I don't want people to have fun. Mm-hmm. Don't wear blue hats. I don't like blue. I don't like the color blue, you know, or something ridiculous like that. Every one of his laws are good. Every one of his laws are complete justice. And like we're learning with um, Rush Dooney in some of the stuff with him, even the Old Testament commandments, which some of them, you'll have to recall precisely which one you thought was so interesting. It's kind of like, you have a top law, you know do not covet, do not steal, do not but then the laws kind of trickle down into actual things. What was that one it's example like, that it's you like used? case
2: studies so like right, case study throughout law. Leviticus it's application of the law which we can extract the principle of that so like the oxen, don't muzzle the oxen as he treads out the grain which right. actually in the New Testament Paul explains that one for us. The principle to be extracted is that the laborer is worthy of his wages. And it's also connected by Paul to the fact that those who preach the gospel as they're as they're living should reap the material benefits from the listeners. He's that pastor is sowing into the congregation. He's pouring out his life for the sake of the word, for the sake of the congregation. He's sowing spiritual things that and then they should let him reap of material benefits. So why the tithe is important that that's, it's a part of that old Testament law. That's the, that's the application. Um, And Paul does that one for us, but there are lots of them that, yeah, we're learning that lots of, (laughs) lots of great people have already gone before and helped pull out those big pictures. Like all of them were so that, we could see what it's what those laws are, how you apply them, and then they're important because they reflect um, truth.
1: Yeah, and yeah, and this this case study stuff is the case law is new to us. I mean, we didn't really yeah. see as we have, we, you know, we've read in the Old Testament, and we we see some of these things that to us, <laughs> because we're not Old Testament Jews, because we're not old, you know. Because we didn't live in that era, we we look at some of those things and go, really? That's arbitrary. But, you know, not uh, muzzling the ox is what? It's what is the actual principle or what is the law above that? I forget which one that was pointing to. It was pointing to one of the Ten oh, Commandments, I right? Understand. So it's like right. it kind of like works its way up.
2: Yeah, remember? right. I don't. Remember, remember I don't which recall one which one that's connected to. But right. okay, so there's the one about um, if you're out hunting, like don't take, don't kill the mom uh, and yeah. the eggs. Like I guess if you're gonna eat either the bird or the eggs, just take one. Like don't take both. Yeah. And then part of, and I don't even know where that's at in the Old Testament, but uh, I think it's Rushdoony who applies that to, um honoring your father and your mother yes and that you know the original hearers whenever they were out hunting that that guard that law would be a reminder that honoring your father and your mother is important so important that god wants you to honor across the board you know like to be able to see that in the every day that was in their face so they would be remembered they would Be in remembrance of that truth. Yeah. So, yeah, like we just scratched the surface. Like, there's so many books we need to read to (laughs) understand really what that is. But I think the thing for me that's been so, like, I've never thought about it like this before lately is how important God's law is. Yeah. Like, you know, we've been studying the Psalms, and in Psalm one, it's like all about how my delight is in the law of the Lord.
1: David repeatedly says, I love your law. He
2: rejoices in God's law. And, you know, I think somebody said that he was just talking about the old Testament law. Like he didn't have any of the new Testament stuff. Like David was delighting in don't kill a mother chicken and her (laughs) eggs. Like, so to me, I'm like, wait, what? (laughs)
1: Like,
2: Help me explain that how do you just like rejoice and sing and like about that so that's I think when you first made the connection for me that it's because all the laws are reflective of God's character so when David is delighting in God's laws because he's delighting in God, he's delighting in his very essence, his godness, his purity, his righteousness, all of his attributes because they're on display within right. the law um. Like the other thing is, so how important the law is, and we are absolutely not saved by the law. No one can keep the law perfectly. Um, and if you break the law in one point, you've broken all of the law. We absolutely are only saved by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ through faith, by grace. But we are saved from lawlessness. Right. So we're saved totally by grace, totally because of Jesus' perfect life. Uh, and his death in our place, and his resurrection, but we are saved to be able to obey the law. (laughs) And when we love God, we want to obey his commands. So, you know, the road to sanctification is through the law. Right. Like, as we are obeying the law and learning and being convicted by the Holy Spirit and going, oh, this is what's right to do, and we're turning from what's wrong, it looks like, obeying the law yeah that that sanctification that's happening in us is better and better obedience to the law if the law perfectly reflects god's character and we are supposed to imitate christ and be conformed to his image then we will look like law obeyers right <laughs> we'll right look like people who keep god's law
1: if you love me you will obey what i command yeah. jesus said and my commands are not burdensome yeah so the antinomianism of which is just heresy basically says, you know, the law, we're free from the law. We don't have to keep it. We're completely under grace. And it seems like the modern day church and a lot of believers, and I know even us included, it's not as if we personally disregarded the law or said, okay, well, you know, woohoo, you're free. But I, but more and more, especially in America, people don't seem to care or give heed that call themselves Christians but they don't seem to care about God's law. And a lot of them don't really know it.
2: Well, I don't know that we're taught it that well.
1: Right. You know,
2: or, yeah, I mean, I feel like so much of this is, obviously, like, you read the Bible and you know, like, okay, this is the way to live. You're supposed to do this. But put in these terms, I feel like this is very new. This is, and, like, viewing the Old Testament as just as important as the New Testament like something I think we've seen from Doug Wilson is that um, you know we we view the Old Testament as second rate when it's not second rate. It's just as much God's word as the New Testament. And some of the we might have known that and been like, well, yeah, of course. But like, there's two assumptions he says. Like, you can either um, everything that the Old Testament says, you can say it's not valid unless the New Testament makes a point to reiterate it so you can ignore it unless the new testament reaffirms it that's one view and then a more biblically faithful view is like that's the conclusion uh is that anything that's in the old testament stands unless the new testament fulfills it right so like we don't have to give animal sacrifices anymore because jesus was the perfect sacrifice but if the new testament doesn't say it's fulfilled Therefore, done away with, then it's been completed. Um, it still stands, yeah. So then it's like, Whoa, you got to read the Bible all over again because there's a whole lot of stuff that we've (laughs) just skipped over or not given any heed to or not paid attention to, like right. Right. And there's so much in the Bible, like (laughs) we'll be learning for the rest of our lives. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. Every person, including myself, and lately I've been saying this we're just scratching the surface. We're just barely touching the infinite depths and the riches of the word. Mm -hmm. We're just barely, I mean, and and, and we're reading a lot of it lately. We're, we're talking about it a lot. We're listening to it. And it's like the, the weird thing is, and the cool thing is, the more we ingest of it, the more we realize how big it is, how big and infinite, the Lord is, of course, but then even the the word that he's given us, which is applicable all the time. I mean, there's so many scriptures. We talk about this. There's so many times where we're reading the word and we go, I just think I just read this for the first time. And yet <laughs> I've read this 30 times or 100 times or throughout yeah. my entire life. Yeah. We see it afresh. Uh, it's, um, what did you say last night? It's... Um, not that we see it with new eyes, but it's uh, as if...
2: It's that it's living.
1: It's it's a living word. That's yeah. the, That's what you had said last night. Yeah. yeah. Which, that's how the word describes itself. Right. It's living and active. Right. It is living. It's
2: alive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something that I'm doing different recently than what I've ever really done before. Like, I've read the Bible for years, but kind of just more haphazardly. Like, just, you know, I think of this scripture, so I'm reading that. And then I can kind of jump around or will like, you know read smaller chunks or I don't even know how I've been doing it just I know that I'm very familiar with the Bible and I've been reading it but like I've been doing the this Bible reading challenge which is to go like through the summer you go through the New Testament and then through like the school year you do the New Testament again and the Old Testament which like I cannot wait to get to the Old Testament um especially in light of what we've been learning but it's it like just tells you like what to read every day and it'll be sometimes a whole book and then sometimes just a set of chapters in one book and then the next day you switch to another book and then it's kind of all over but what's so cool is I'm seeing connections between books that I wouldn't have before and like I'm reading probably about four chapters a day or so so it's like you don't have time to just like soak in on every little word but it's like you're just becoming fluent in the bible and knowing okay like i want to read the bible like this for the rest of my life so i don't have to get everything from this nor probably could i but i'm gonna read it again and i'm gonna read it again and i'm gonna read it again and like more and more will sink in and you're getting that like big picture i guess of it but like i'm amazed at how many times that i'm like oh my gosh well that same exact word was just used in romans and now i'm in ephesians and like I'd, like the same theme is dealt with or Abraham is like all over the place in the New Testament just I like when you're reading it that way it stands out more yeah. you know which is just I don't it's so cool it's like a different experience or even okay so what I was telling you last night that I was reading in James it just had me read James 1 through 5 in June or July I think, July and I read it again a couple days ago and like something completely different stood out to me Right. and was like just hit me over the head with what and that's another book that like i've read a lot so yeah. it's just so cool about god yeah and what he reveals to you in his word and like i want to read as much of it as i can as faithfully as i can not because like I have to, because it's like what else? What else will he show me? Like you said, it's like a a mine of treasure in there. Like, yeah. so that's been it's been cool that it's been so different, so rich. Like, yeah, yeah I look forward to what's it going to have me read tomorrow. Like, where where am I going to be reading at? Do I mean to read the thing in James?
1: Yes, but I think we let's um. Let's pause this and let's let that be a different episode because it's kind of a different topic. Okay. I think that would be good because this episode we're talking about uh, liberty. Law. God's law in conjunction with one another.
2: <laughs> That's true. But this is how our conversations really are. Yeah. Like, we're talking about one yeah. thing and then are talking about another thing. And then right. And then it
1: goes to the next and the next and the next. Yeah.
2: And then it circles around. Yeah. And some of these themes just get repeated because we're reading more stuff that adds to it. Right. But that's fine.
1: Yeah, I think that's good. Do
2: you have anything else to say about God's law, though?
1: Oh, gosh. I mean, there's, there's, yeah, I mean, there's just so much to say.
2: Oh, about... okay, so say this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes? No, this is cool, and this is God's law. So, tithing. Yeah. And maybe we don't talk too much about that whole topic, but tithing is in the Bible. It is? <laughs> it's a command. <laughs> yes. But... Again, it's another command that's not arbitrary. Right. And like, God's so cool that he explains, we get to see sometimes why, why something's a command. Yes. Like, it makes sense. When you do things God's way, it's best. It's best for the world. It's best for you. It's best. And it glorifies him. But God doesn't just say, here, do this and like, leave it at that. Right. Like, he explains the why.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And, okay, so the why. I don't think we touched on this yet, but the why in how we parent, for instance, we don't just lay down. You told me this last night when I was putting the kids to bed and I'm like, go to bed, be quiet. And I came out of the room and you're like, you really should tell them why you should really tell them not just, you know, don't just give them the command, but tell them that when you're honoring you, me, you're honoring God. Mm-hmm. that there's that there's more there there's 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 a reason why they are supposed to obey, and of course they are just supposed to obey they are supposed to listen to basic commands um but even the Lord gives us reasons as somet- as to the why you know that it may be well with you and that you live long in the land, honor your father and mother, you know for this is right um this pleases the Lord, this pleases your mom and dad, this pleases um yeah, there's more There's more to parenting and laying down the law than just giving the commands because I said so. At a certain point, a kid will be like, I don't care what you said. I don't care what you have to say. As, as they grow up,
2: mm-hmm.
1: we want to put in them a desire, a gospel-inspired desire to listen to us. Um, to as david vaughn has told us before to get it into their bones that is the word to get that understanding as well this is why you obey your parents this is this is why you obey god um so that it may be well with you
2: right or even like explaining using a proverb you know, like right. to apply to their situation. Exactly, if they're fighting or bickering. You know, like a kind word turns away wrath, or like Proverbs is full of this. Is what a wise man does. This is how a f- what a fool does. Yes, and like when you can show them that, when you can tell them God's law, and that when they control themselves, or when they are kind, or when they don't just lash out, or you know whatever the thing is, when you apply God's law, then they're realizing. Directly, it's obeying or disobeying him. Yeah. It might be disobeying you first if they're not going to bed or not listening, but ultimately, when they're obeying you, it is a way that they obey God. And when we love God, we do what he commands.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, like, you're even establishing that for them. And, like, what you were saying, if that's not the ultimate end that we're teaching them to obey God and to love God then if it's just do this because I said so, or do this because there will be this consequence, eventually you won't be there. Yeah. And like, if their only motivation to obey is to avoid a consequence from dad or to, you know, cause my dad said when you're not around that doesn't, that doesn't cross over. It doesn't continue yeah. when they know I want to obey God because I love him. And that's the best way. And when I disobey or I do something that's wrong, it's, Breaking his law, it's offensive to him. I'm grieving him. That's like a motivation that can last a lifetime. That's a motivation that goes it'll, beyond.
1: Yeah, it'll stay. It'll stay with them. Yeah, yeah. and I really like that note that the understanding of giving them a proverb that applies to their current situation mm-hmm. to say, you know, um, I don't know what example you use today you used a particular oh, yeah. oh the boys were fighting in the back yeah the on the
2: way to church on the way to
1: church the boys were fighting one hit the other one and you actually immediately had a proverb <laughs> like ready in hand you were ready to go
2: yeah it actually wasn't the one i was going for the one i was going for i couldn't remember it still the worked too well i know it was like the <laughs> first one i'm like hey this applies and it was something about what the fool does and what the wise man does and i kid you not they were while well, you were there they were yeah. quiet like the rest of the way and yeah. it wasn't even like be quiet but it was like this is how a foolish person acts and this is how a wise person acts. And they mm-hmm. both wanted to be wise. It's like, yeah, we're pulling into church. And Levi said, mom, Hey, they've been quiet like this whole time. I'm like, wow, <laughs> you're right. We have wise sons. Like they <laughs> chose the way of wisdom, uh, which is cool. But you were telling me on the way to church about back to the tithing thing. This is why it applies. We were saying that last night about the kids. Like they need to know why not just obey or else or obey be- just because But obey because it's pleasing to God. And here's even, you know, the principle and what it looks like, giving them that deeper meaning. Like some of the things the Lord's been showing you about tithing are not just here's the command, do it. But like some of the reasons behind it, like we need that. I mean, it it should be enough just to say God said so. And on some level it is, but it helps our hearts really submit to it when we can see that this is why God says so. Yeah. And we like have some of the the greater good fleshed out.
1: Yeah, so that's good. That's why I brought that. Up. All right. Well, I think episode two is coming in for a landing here.
2: <laughs> Land the plane.
1: This is this is going to be uh uh this is going to be the end of episode two. Then. Cool. Thank you for listening to the Love of Life podcast: Conversations with Jesse and Courtney.
0: It is our duty through our schools to create a new one, a God-centered one. We are told in Proverbs 8, verses 35 and 36, For whoso findeth me findeth life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. they that hate me, love death.